listening to the Sit Down Standout Show, the podcast where people with all abilities and challenges can stand out from the rest, even if they've got to sit down to do it. I'm Ben and Dykstra, the Rolling Dragon, and it's time for this show to take flight. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sit Down Standout Show the podcast where people with all abilities and challenges have a chance to stand out from the rest, even if you've got to sit down to do it. Hi, my name is Ben, the Rolling Dragon, and my guest with me today, is one word I could use to describe her, is a survivor. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jacqueline Johnson. Jacqueline, how are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm great. I actually can honestly say, it's just not me saying it, I am great. <laughs> Love it. That's a good way to start. Now, in your notes that you mentioned that you have dealt with multiple mental health conditions over the years, including depression, uh, PTSD, and somewhat of bipolar depression. But what I'd like to start with is what do you think the event was where you realized, all right, something isn't wrong with me, but something feels different and I need to get some help? That's a great question. I can honestly say when I was 18 years old, it was the first time I ever, I moved out of my mom's house. And um, at that point, she was really upset with me. So we really didn't have too much interaction. But something literally, I don't remember, but I just started researching what depression was because I knew as a teenager, why am I always sad? You know, it was beyond anger. Why am I not happy? And of course, it was environmental as well that was contributing to my unhappiness. But when I was when I got the opportunity to, you know, live on my own, I just went to the hospital and um, I was told that, you you know, I had a lot of stress and then it was referred that I should start um, seeking counseling. So it really was like this epiphany moment for me, like this is not the way life should be lived, especially now that I'm on my own. And I'm a teenager. I don't have any parents telling me what to do. I'm supposed to be happy, but I was everything but happy. Wow, that is an interesting way to start things. First of all, I have to say good for you for going to the hospital and realizing that, because I feel like not a lot of people that age would realize, you know what, I need to go to the doctors right now. I need to go and fix this versus, hmm, let me have a few drinks. Let me... uh Light up a few joints. I'll feel relaxed. You know, that's that. When I look over that time, I, I really do question myself and like, how did you know? Because I come from a background where we don't talk about mental health. I also come from a religious background. So they feel like you should pray everything away. So I really don't know what happened where I can say, okay, let me go and look into this. But I just, I something inside of me also knew that at one point I was there was some happiness in my life. So I identified with the happiness inside of me, but the happiness could not show itself. So I was literally seeking for, okay, why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? And then um, I will say I was very inconsistent, though. I started at 18 and I um I just was inconsistent because, you know, at 18, now I'm paying bills. I'm trying to, you know, just do this thing called life and be an adult. And um, so, and then 
when you're when you're tackling your mental health challenges, you really have to um, trust the person that you're going to trust the um, psychologists or the doctors. So I think at that same time, while I was seeking, I may have been self-sabotaging as well because I had really bad trust issues. So for years, it really I wasn't really tackling my mental health the proper way. I, I was going I would go one year. I went and go the next year. So, you know, but I thought that because I did have the religious background, I thought that God would save me. God would lift the sadness. So it was all or nothing. So eventually when I figured out that wasn't going to happen, um, I got serious about my mental health. You know, I, I got serious about it. Well, I can't necessarily blame you for at first believing that God would have played a role because that's kind of what you were taught growing up to believe in. And then at the same time, you're trying to be an adult. That is a lot to balance. And I don't doubt that that was a factor in increasing the issues that were going on in your mind at the time. But you've dealt with all of these conditions, obviously very well, since you're still here. And you've dealt with it for 30 years. But how has the taking care of yourself process evolved over the last 30 years? Because that's a question I ask everybody is, how do you practice self-care, not just from a mental standpoint, but from a physical standpoint, and in a way that can benefit yourself and those around you? Absolutely. That is a great question. What I would say is the pandemic, to be honest, it was probably the best thing and maybe the, the best thing that happened for me. Um, at that time, I wasn't working. And, and I'll fast forward from 18, being inconsistent up and down with the, with the therapy. Um, but during the pandemic, I was not working. I um, was looking for a job. I was all in my mind, all in my head, climbing the walls. I had developed anxiety and panic attacks to the point where I was on a bus one time. And I literally wanted to get up and run off that bus. And I just remember I was told, breathe breathe, breathe. So I know that breathing is really powerful. But so I bumped up my, my therapy sessions. I was, I'm in therapy. I bumped up my therapy sessions from one day to two days a week. And everything that I was going through, my therapist, I really got to know her and she really got to know me. She was very professional. And she was just, she just knew it's just, if I was, I would say things and she would be able to translate what I was thinking. And, um, I will say before the pandemic, I was drinking very heavy. I was addicted to alcohol. And um, during the pandemic, I literally stopped drinking. I had no more desire to drink. I had, I started weighing the benefits. So that the drinking also was contributing a lot to my self-care or my in, lack of self-care. So I'm like, you're going to have to, I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'm not getting good results. I know my therapist is not the problem. She holds me accountable. She's kind. She's just everything that a therapist should be. So I had to really look at myself in the mirror. And then I had no excuse. You have time on your hands. You have nothing but time. And because of those panic attacks and those things, and I know they could be they're different, um, but I had both those panic attacks, the panic attack on the bus and anxiety sitting with that in my body every single day, thinking you're probably going to die thinking you were out of control. It was nothing but fear. I just had to get intentional about my mental health. Like, okay, we're not playing games anymore. 
because I really, it, I, the walls were, it felt like when you're battling in your mind, the walls are closing in on you. So I literally, we, we put together a plan and um, whatever, we, I got a journal. I always journal. That's one thing she, my therapist always encouraged me to do, but I was writing a lot, journaling a lot, getting, getting those thoughts out of my head. And then we could go back and revisit whatever I um, did not understand. Because even when you write, you don't necessarily have to always understand what you're writing. And that's why it's good sometimes to be able to have someone else, in my case, a therapist, to help you decipher all that information. And she would always tell me, get up, get outside, um, even though it was so dreary outside. But the sun, sun is a natural antidepressant. Um, I was on medication, too. But uh, sun, and that was a problem. That was an issue, too, because when you're drinking, I was not, you know, taking my medication properly because you can't mix the two. That was all over the place. But those two years during the pandemic, it just clicked for me. I said, I don't want to live like this. I became an empty nester, so I no longer had to worry about my children on a full-time basis. So it was all about me. So I really had to make the choice. I no, I no longer had any more excuses. So we followed a plan. Get, you have to get up. I don't care what it is. You have to get up. I had to get up and take a shower. It was the hardest thing in the world for me to take a shower. The day that I took a shower, it's like I did something great for myself. So it really started with that self-care of taking a shower. It's very hard to take a shower when you're depressed. You know, it's very hard to take a shower when, you're, when your mind is not clear. Uh, when you're having um, all of these thoughts, when you think that the world is against you, when you don't have any confidence on yourself. So again, to answer your question, I followed, I got serious. I got intentional about my self-care. I asked myself the hard questions in my journal. Do you really want to live? Um, I was living. People normally say that um, life is short. Life is very hard and exhausting when you're battling. It is not short. Those nights are very long. Those days are very long. So I had to ask myself some questions. I didn't have anyone that I could relate to because, again, even in my family um, 30 years later, it still was a taboo thing about mental health. And then when I was telling some people, if I may have had an off day, they would say, did you take your medication? So it's very important for you to surround yourself with people that understand. You know, we don't take it personal when your family members, sometimes we do take it personal when our family members don't understand. But when you're going through a mental health crisis, you really need to go to professionals or people that have, that have really overcome some of their issues because it's not going to help when you still hear the negative thoughts in your own head and then other people and then people, you know, to say things like, did you take your medication? You know. So it was just being proactive, about being pro, really proactive and, and following the plan that my therapist and I came up with. And like I said, starting with the bath. Right. And I think that that was kind of the blessing of COVID, where everyone is kind of every normal plan that they had was completely thrown out the window because it's like, can't get out. We can't go anywhere that we used to have fun. So let's take a little bit of a break and go inside our own heads and realize what's really going on. What do we really need to do with ourselves? Like for me, I can relate to your experience with anxiety and panic attacks because I went through a similar depression after graduating college. 
you would think that that's a highlight of your life. You're supposed to be on top of the world. But I was thinking, oh, crap, I'll be living by my by myself in the city for the rest of my life without parental support. That sent me down into a spiral of, oh, God. But then we got home. We changed the portion control of what I was eating because I was overeating like nobody's business in college with the unlimited meal plan. And we just we decided to try to enroll me in activity because what people don't realize is the importance of not only having a wonderful support network around you, but having structure to balance all of the thoughts going on inside your head. Right. Because boredom is not your friend when you're going. No. It is not your friend. And as you said, the structure was very, we had a schedule. You get up, you, um, and as, as far as the food, that was all, all of those things are relevant. Get up, wash your face, take your shower. We had to get into a normal routine. It's like I kind of had to reprogram myself, even though I had been doing these things um, because you get up every day and go to work, but you do a lot of these things unconsciously. At this point, I had to be very conscious about my time because boredom, I drank a lot when I was bored as well. So now I'm not bored. Now I'm not drinking. I don't have that to go to that, that numbing factor or that coping mechanism. And I have no desire to drink. Um, Drinking led me to the hospital over seven times with pancreatitis. So I definitely was not going, I'm like, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. Now I need to, to um, find that structure, that, that healthy structure. I also had a problem eating because I was on medication. So I had really, I had no appetite. So one of the conversations my therapist would say is, did you eat today? You know, and I literally, it wasn't even that I never starved myself, never been on a diet. I just never had, I didn't have a high appetite. So I was losing weight. So we had to get a lot of things in, um, in order and in place, but I had to have consistent structure. I had to have that structure was very for a person that goes in their mind a lot. You need to fill those spaces. And um, for me, I also wanted to make sure we were thinking, okay, long term, we want to make sure that these are not temporary structures. So we did them, did them enough where they became habit. And I do it every single day. You know, I do something every single day. I make sure I get outside and I'm not struggling anymore to get up and take a shower and things like that. But when I get up under that shower, I remember it's like, even to this day, it's like um, a celebration because I know when I couldn't get up and when I go outside, I don't care how cold it is. I don't like the cold weather, but I'm intentional. I'm like, look, you're going to put these coat, this coat on, these socks on, that shirt and them boots on, and we're going to go outside. And then that vitamin D that's missing, that that's very important in our lives. We need to get that, especially for, you know, um, high pigmented uh, melanin skin people. We don't get enough vitamin C when the sun during the winter, I mean, vitamin D during the winter time. And that also can cause issues. So all of those things is, I mean, you really have to, it's not a lot to do, to be honest, because once it becomes a routine, it's second nature. You just have to learn how to replace the bad habits. And it's not all all easy because, to be honest, if I'm truly transparent, I picked up two bad habits during the pandemic. I started smoking cigarettes 
and I started um, drinking Pepsi. <laughs> so, and I've never been a sugar person. I've never been a person. I was very health conscious. So I'm like, and, but it also made me realize that I have to learn how to replace all of my, all of those numbing agents, like sugar, like the nicotine from cigarettes. I have to learn how to replace all of that with something positive. Because it's just for me, I felt like it, the cigarettes was just another way to cope now that I'm not. Um, it wasn't that deep, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as liquor. And right. it wasn't, well, it, could, it does do harm. We won't say it doesn't do harm. But I had to learn that these are things that I'm coping with. So when you drop one bad habit, we have to be sure not to pick up another bad habit. So I started exercising <clears throat> more. Hey, my fellow standouts, it's the Rolling Dragon, Ben and Dykstra, here to ask you a couple of questions as we've reached the halfway point in our program. Has life thrown you a curveball? Have you lived with what many people would consider unfortunate circumstances or unique challenges? How have you turned them around into something positive for yourself and for others? Is it your time to stand out from the rest? Well then, register as a guest at www.rollingdragonmedia.com and get ready to stand out from the rest. And now, for the rest of our story. Well, first of all, I have to say again, good for you for realizing that these are bad habits. But you also have to give yourself a little bit of credit now and then because, sure... Pepsi is not the best thing for you, and I drink it myself, but uh, you have to realize that it took a lot of work for you to get over the worst of your habits, which was drinking. And you have to take little victories. You have to appreciate the small wins, like you said, taking a shower. Now, you've dealt with these for 30 years now. That's a long time to deal with mental health challenges. Now, I would not advise this to everyone. Because every individual case is different, but there was one point where you said, I'm going to get sober, and I don't need my medication anymore. When did you make that choice, and why did you feel that you were ready to get off of the medication for your mental health? And thank you. That's a great question. When it comes to getting off medication, that is not something that you want to do on your own. So I did, I was in the process. Um, one of the medications I was taking, I, you know, it kept making me vomit. And my doc, my primary, I had a primary, I had a psychiatrist and a psychologist because we believe, my, my doctor says, we believe in specialty. I'm not going to treat you for all of this because that's not my specialty. So I, the psychiatrist dealt, um, helped me with the medication, of course. Uh, and my psychologist, we talked about, should I be on medication? Because I, I was very resistant all of my life to medication, all of my life. But I had four children that I had to say, you have to, right now, you're not being able, you're not able to cope with this on your own. You need to consider taking medication and it's not a bad thing, you know? And I also didn't want not, I didn't want my children to think taking medication was a bad thing. So I had to discipline myself in that area. But I always had those support systems as far as my doctor, my psychologist. And when I kept um, vomiting from one of the medications, <clears throat> the um, antidepressants, my doctor was like, you're not, you're actually not receiving that. You, you, when you're, your body is rejecting it for a reason. 
So she's like, once you vomited, it's not even in your system. And how long has this been going on? So I, cause I kept trying to take the medication because at one point it seemed like it worked, but being that it was not even staying down, we started thinking, okay, maybe you don't need it. So, um, I, I spoke with my, 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 um, psychiatrist. Now, let me say during the pandemic, I, that's when the PTSD showed up. So I took, there's only right now, as I know of, based on my, um, psychiatrist, there's only one medication that is prescribed for PTSD. I took that medication, um, but it, it wasn't needed for a long time because even with therapy, my, my therapist was telling me we were addressing some of the issues that I was, um, having during the PTSD episodes, I was having night terrors and dreams and things of that nature. I literally wrote a letter to a person, 10 page letter to a person. I had no more dreams. So the, so I no longer needed that medication, but, um, it was a process, you know, just like in therapy, when it's time for you to move on and you no longer need therapy, they don't just stop it abruptly. They, there's a weaning off period. So it was the same with the medication. You go to your, your, ther your therapist, your, you talk to all of them. And um, long as you're not making excuses, you don't come with the mindset, oh, I don't need this anymore. I don't approach anything anymore as I don't need this anymore. I'll go based on my, my habits, based on my moods, based on long time progress. So <clears throat> when my body was rejecting these medications, it, it was nothing else I could do. So eventually I was no longer taking any, any more medication, but that was under professional, you know, a professional eye. That was not for me. I, again, I wasn't, I was always res resistant. So I was, I was probably a, pay, a doctor's nightmare, you know, but I had <laughs> one thing I will say, you can find a therapist, a doctor, a psychologist that will treat you like, would treat you with an empathetic hand. And all of my medical community, they rallied around me. And, but I look for them because it's not like, it's like not one, one shoe doesn't, one size doesn't fit all. You have to see what's comfortable. You have to really interview your doctor, your therapist, and your psychiatrist because they're going to have to be able to understand you. And you're going to have to be able to see if you're willing to listen to them. Um, so I was just under professional care and I eventually, so I haven't been on medication for over a year. Congratulations. Thank and you. we would definitely advise anyone who is going through these types of conditions. If you would like to get off your medication, please consult your medical doctor and be sure that it fits you. And I think that's also one of the difficult challenges that people with any mental health condition face is what you mentioned is, not one shoe fits everybody in terms of therapy, in terms of psychology. When they want to go get help, I think it's hard for people to articulate what exactly is going on because they are so built up with thoughts in their head of what could happen versus what will happen. So they become afraid to reach out for the necessary support. Like for me, I also rejected medication, but that was for a different reason. I didn't want to feel like, oh, I'll be drunked out like a zombie on the medication that they give me. And I was like, I'm so happy all the time. Why would I need pills? 
but eventually I've had medication since like grade 12 to treat my high anxiety and it it's worked. I feel normal on the medication, yeah. but every person's journey is different. And that's one thing we like to advise everyone here on this show. Now, you mentioned to me before we started recording that you've got a couple of projects in the works. Why don't we talk about that? I do. Uh, let me say this as well as far as the pandemic. I don't want to make the pandemic light because uh, many people went through so many things. I'm just saying what happened with me. It was really hard during that pandemic because everything mental, everything came down on me. So I don't want to say I don't want to say it was a blessing. But for me, I, that was my journey. And it actually was because I've never been happier. I've never been happier at all. And but out of the pandemic, I birthed a podcast as well. And I was blogging during the pandemic. Um, I had a website at the time and I was blogging uh, my experiences. Trying That was one of the things in reference to structure. I was trying to write about what I was feeling. What I, so it was basically like my journey. I was journaling via a blog. Um, now I'm, I'm in the process of having my website created so that I can post those blogs and new blogs. And I'm also creating um, a, a podcast by the name of Still Processing. That will be launching at any time now. We just, we were, the website kind of held things up. But the reason why I came up with Still Processing, it really was called Still Processing from the Vault. But that name is too long. And, you know, people are going to be like, Vault, how do you spell Vault? So I put it down to um, Still Processing. But the reason why I initially named it Still Processing from the Vault it's because my therapist gave me permission to record all of our sessions during the pandemic. Wow. So if I needed to go back and reflect on something that we had talked about, because, you know, in therapy, you talk about a lot of things. And I call it still processing because after therapy is over, you're still processing what went on. And I forget a lot. So I, she allowed me to record it. So it was called still processing from the vault. And I wanted to give a different spin on mental health because mental health is such a heavy topic. I'm a very funny person. And some of the things I went through are funny, you know, and I'm I, so I when I tell these stories, it comes when you listen to them like this is a funny stuff. So I, I didn't want to, you know, create another um, mental health podcast, you know, under that banner mental health and it be heavy. Because I want people to understand that once you do the work and you're really intentional about your life, you really, the grass can be greener on the other side. In this case, for me, it's the first time we talk about our love tank. We talk about, you know, if, if we're empty on the inside, you know, we give out to everyone else and how much do we pour into our own self? So I can say for the first time ever in my life, and I got children, I'm sorry, my children, I got children, but my love tank is happy. It's, it's full because I get up in the morning. I have a structure. Um, I'm, I'm in school finishing up a teacher residency with NYU um, and Walden University, but I also have my podcast. I have people that come into my life that have inspired the podcast as well, because I'm that person that everybody meets on the street and want to tell their business. And after we get finished talking, there's tears. There's not tears from me. And I'm like, and then they ask me for my information. Do you have a social media? Do you have a podcast? So I'm like, you know what? At this point, I need to do something because it's, it's you know, continuous. 
So I walk away, I don't have anything to give them. So I'm creating it not for any other reason other than to let people know that you can be happy. That's not, you know, or content. Um, because happiness sometimes can can develop based on what's going on. I like to say joy, because when you have joy, you can find it in the midst of sadness. And I'll say sometimes I'm here, not to say I don't still go through some mental health challenges or whatever, <clears throat> or just some whatever comes up. But sometimes I can sit and I can feel sadness come over me. And that's just a part of, you know, your chemical makeup. But I don't sit in the sadness. I'll address it. I'm like, why am I sad right now? I just got finished, you know, and I'll address what whatever's going on. And I go on about my business. So things that wave of sadness can come up. Um, I don't have a perfect life right now. And I have four children and they have their own things going on. So life is still hard. But I, while it's hard, I want to live it, you know, to the best of my ability. And I want my friends and family also to benefit. It's heavy out here in the world. Um, And I don't want people to think that, you don't, that there's, like I said, the grass is not greener on the other side. I don't want people to think, because when you are dealing with life, whether, and it, it don't even have to be mental health, you know, because we don't, it's not, everybody's not dealing with, you know, mental health issues, but everyone is different, dealing with the difficulties of life. And sometimes people don't know where to go. People don't know how to share. So you need someone that can probably tell you, well, you know, this was my experience. You know, and what I, I don't push therapy, I don't push anything that I've gone through on anyone because I also, have, you know, am spiritual too. So I, I, there's prayer there as well. So I don't push that on anyone, but I'm telling you, I know what works. I cannot, I, I, I'm happy. I, I can't even believe that I'm actually this happy, but I think I'm happy because I'm being intentional about it. You know, I'm, I'm just being intentional about it. Well, Jacqueline. I know that I am very happy to have had you on this episode of the podcast, and I just want to advise to everybody, your journey will not be an easy one through life, but if you put the work in, you can be happy. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the Sit Down Standout Show. From Ben and Dykstra and Jacqueline Johnson, we shall see you next time. Yes. 